In Good We Trust is recorded at the Philadelphia Ethical Society in Philadelphia, PA. For more information about us, visit phillyethics.org or follow us on Instagram at phillyethics. When I was young, my friends and I wanted to grow up to be superheroes. We collected comic books, wore Superman and Batman costumes. We imagined being drum majors in the Parade of Justice. But when I grew a little more and became aware of civil rights and the peace movement, I saw a new heroism epitomized by Martin Luther King Jr. His assassination shocked my young psyche. In a dark world of racism and war, how could we find our way forward without his shining light? He became the hero I wanted to be. Looking back at this adolescent yearning, it seems ridiculous. How can I even dare to compare my life to his? King lived a life of sacrifice beyond my comprehension. I've read a lot about this level of sacrifice during my life. I've read about Father Kolb, a Polish friar from Warsaw. During the Holocaust, he asked his Nazi tormentors to let him switch places with a young father sentenced to die by being sealed alive in a tomb-like basement with nine others. The 45-year-old priest pleaded, I am an old man, sir, and good for nothing. My life will serve no purpose. The guards granted his request. Later, the guards, used to the screams of their victims, were shocked by the voices singing in the tomb. When they entered the basement ten days later to remove the bodies, Father Kolb was found alive, a living skeleton, but with a slight smile upon his lips. The others who had died had been given the gift of a shepherd who answered hate with love and eased their final days. One philosopher called this the miracle of moral heroism. This kind of moral heroism was demonstrated by Stan Muniham, former president of World Vision. He tried to build a children's hospital in Cambodia, but the occupying Vietnamese military commanders denied his request. Muniham pulled out a knife, cut his wrist until blood flowed, and said, Don't look at my face, you'll only see the face of an enemy. Look at my blood. The hospital was built. These heroes are inspiring, but also unsettling. Mark Jacobson, who wrote in The Atlantic about meeting Mother Teresa, said, She looked up from beneath her blue and white habit and asked, Can you help? Her gaze was arresting. Uh, How? I stammered. She didn't answer, only returned a thin smile. It was a bemused look. The sense of it was that this was a genuine question that I would have to answer myself. Jacobson had trouble answering. He explained, Sometimes it seems that I cannot get through a day without madly swinging full 180 on the subject. One minute I assert starving people in Somalia are just none of my business and that my job in life is to better insulate my family from the inevitable ravages of the coming age of scarcity. Then an hour later, I'm telling my wife that we should just give away all the furniture and book ourselves on a flight to East Timor because the Indonesians are bleeding the people there, the land's a tropical moonscape, and no one is making speeches about it. We can help in East Timor, I tell my wife. But it all comes to nothing. 
My two impulses collide, and I become paralyzed. I slump down in my chair, defeated. I slump down in my chair, often, actually. My inner pendulum swings from commitment to retreat. Lucky enough to live a privileged life, I struggle to even imagine being so heroic. Ironically, like Jacobson, I'm jealous of those who exercise doubt and commit to moral heroism. The night before he was killed, Martin Luther King Jr. declared that he had been to the mountaintop. He said, if a man has not found something worth dying for, he is not fit to live. Am I fit to live? What would I be willing to die for? In order to evade any sense of guilt and hypocrisy, I could lower the bar. I could knock my moral heroes off their pedestals by pointing out their faults. I could wrap myself in the cynicism evident in much of contemporary society. After all, no hero is perfect, right? Mother Teresa redirected funds raised for her charitable work to promote her Catholic beliefs. Martin Luther King was accused of plagiarism and infidelity. Do these failings negate their moral heroism? Over a decade ago, the Reverend Ralph Abernathy, who loved King deeply, was attacked for exposing King's failings and tarnishing his legacy. Abernathy defended his honesty, insisting that my friend Martin would want me to tell it like it is and be honest and truthful. People are just people. Human beings are mortal, feeble beings. End quote. But the real challenge comes when we admit that our heroes are flawed human beings. That means they are more like us. That means we could be more like them. Dr. King wanted us to be. For this upcoming Black History Month, I suggest you listen to a fascinating speech by King titled, The Drum Major Instinct. He encourages us with a story about the apostles, John and James. They tell Jesus that they want to sit at the right hand of God. King admitted that this could seem selfish, an example of a socially dominant me-first mentality. Should Jesus condemn John and James? King explains that Christ gave James and John a different answer about the drum major instinct. In King's words, Jesus answered, Oh, I see. You want to be first? You want to be great? You want to be important? You want to be significant? Well, you ought to be. If you're going to be my disciple, you must be. Don't give up this instinct. It's a good instinct if you use it right. It's a good instinct if you don't distort it and pervert it. Don't give it up. Keep feeling the need for being important. Keep feeling the need for being first. But I want you to be first in love. I want you to be first in moral excellence. I want you to be first in generosity. That is what I want you to do. A friend of Dr. King, Marion Wright Edelman, who founded the Children's Defense Fund, urged us to step up. She quoted King, Structures of evil do not crumble by passive waiting. If history teaches anything, it is that evil is recalcitrant and determined and never voluntarily relinquishes its hold of an almost fanatical resistance. 
evil must be attacked by a counteracting persistence, by the day-to-day assault of the battering rams of justice. And Edelman is speaking directly to us when she says, a lot of people are waiting for Martin Luther King or Mahatma Gandhi to come back, but they are gone. We are it. It is up to us. It is up to you. As I've grown older, I've put away my Superman costume and admit that we share profound limitations as human beings. But I also encourage myself and others to lean into ethical heroism, to try to nurture goodness in the world. We don't have to pretend to be perfect. By accepting our imperfections, maybe we can contribute to a cultural shift away from seeking perfection in our political leaders. Maybe they can admit when they're wrong. After all, the personal attacks and gotcha moments distract from our shared challenge to save our planet and better the world. Let's not be afraid to lead because the task seems too big or we feel too small. Let's be out front in the parades of justice. Let's be drum majors. <laughs>